Have you ever wondered what is watching you in the dark? Join us as we dive into the world of the oddly macabre. We hope you like small, dark spaces. Today, we are talking about mysterious people. Mysterious people. All right. Yeah. Some people in history that we know about, but we don't know a lot about. The big ticket names are like D.B. Cooper, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's another one. Or somebody else. So, oh, Tank <laughs> that Man. That other dude. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Or Tank Man. Tank Man was another, like, super famous one where nobody knows who that person is, but they made, like, a huge impact, right? Oh, so, like, the Kennedy assassination, the lady, the babushka lady. That's who we're going to talk about. Oh. Babushka. Babushka lady. That's our first lady. She is an unidentified woman that was there when JFK got assassinated, and she was filming the entire event. The thing is that they were never able to find her. She was holding the camera. The assassination happened. She stood there, continued to film it. And then as everybody dispersed, she joined the crowd that went up the grassy knoll to exit the area. And then she was last seen on Elm Street, I believe, is when the last time they had photographic evidence of her. They don't they haven't been able to identify her or get her hands on the film. There has been claim, there has been a conspiracy theory, I guess. Well, in 1970, a woman named Beverly Oliver told a conspiracy researcher named Gary Shaw that she was the babushka lady. And then Oliver stated that she filmed the assassination with Super 8 film, and then she turned the undeveloped film over to two men who identified themselves as FBI agents. She never got a receipt from the men, but they told her that she could pick up the film in 10 days, but she didn't follow up with the inquiry. I mean, she did She did describe everything pretty, pretty detailed, like she was there pretty much. Mm. Um. But the thing is that there was a lot of confrontation with her conspiracy because the type of camera that she said she used was a Yashica Super 8 camera, but that wasn't made until 1969. So she said she said it was an experimental camera from a friend and she had she wasn't even 100 percent sure that was the manufacturer's name on the camera. Hmm. Which, very convenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, interesting that suddenly, oh, everyone's looking for this woman, and then someone pops up and is like, hey. Yeah, yo, it's me. It's mm-hmm. me, a Beverly. If you're going to lie, at least get your facts straight. True. True. So there's another person, another mysterious person, that didn't record the assassination, but he is called Umbrella Man. And I don't know if you guys have heard of Umbrella Man. Yes. But he's another one like her, right? Where Yeah. Well, he wasn't filming. He was the only person on that sunny day who was carrying around an umbrella and was using it. He was also the closest bystander to JFK when he was struck by the first bullet. And as his limousine approached, the man opened up and lifted his umbrella high above his head and then spun or like panned the umbrella from east to west clockwise as the president passed him 
And then after the assassination, he sat down um, on the sidewalk next to a man that they have dubbed the dark complected man before getting up and walking towards the Texas book, the Texas school book depository. And then they said that the reason why these two individuals have been dubbed nicknames, I guess, is that both of them just calmly were chilling after the president was shot. And that was suspicious compared to the masses of people who weren't calm <laughs> and collected when the yeah, president was shot. which, I mean... <laughs> yeah, they're thinking that... The umbrella was probably used as a signaler of some kind. Open his umbrella to say, go ahead or fire around or whatever. Okay, so the next one that we're going to go over is called the man from Tarid. Have you guys heard of this guy before? Negative. I feel like it's clinking a bell somewhere in my brain, but... clinking a bell. Ding-a-ling-ling. It's clinking a bell. He's referred to as the man without a country, and he's kind of an urban legend about a man who arrives in a Japanese airport from an unheard country called Tarid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And some people believe that he is a time traveler or from a parallel universe. Or maybe somebody misunderstood what he said. I don't know, but... <laughs> Didn't they, like... They, like, detained him and everything. Like, yeah. I don't think they misunderstood him. <laughs> I think he was, like, legit confused. He could have been, yeah. I don't know. So, many people claim that his story is true. But where is Tarid, right? Um, there's no country named Tarid, just in case you didn't know. Even back in the 1950s. That man ends up, like, disappearing... The day after leaving Japan and his personal documents, such as like his passport, driver's license, they all disappeared, making this like, what the fuck kind of moment. Hmm. So in 1954, he gets to the Hadia Airport. I'm sorry if I slaughtered that. It is also known as the Tokyo International Airport. And this man is described as being Caucasian and he has a beard and his primary language they said would have been French but other people say that he spoke Japanese and and many other languages but you know there's a lot of smart people who are multi bilingual I don't know why I put multi in front of that (laughs) but it's fine it's fine guys it's early I'm still sipping on my coffee (laughs) so there are sequences of events that happens with this guy but there's multiple so it's kind of muddy on what's exactly happened but one account is that the man headed over um, handed over his passport to be stamped by the immigration officer and even though the passport looked authentic it said it was issued to Tarid and the guy was like "Mm." so he took it to his colleagues and he's like is this a fucking country that I don't know about? <laughs> and they're like, no, that is not a real country. So they're like, oh, it must be a fake passport if they can't spell the country right or put a random country or whatever. So because of his passport being having the Tarid country on it, they took him to interrogate him. Another account. So that's like one account, right? But another account was just that he went up to the immigration officer and he said he was from Tarid and the officer didn't believe him. So he showed his passport And then that's when he was detained. He wasn't even in the line yet. So one of them is like, to me, a purposeful, let me approach this person and say I'm from Tarid so that I can am questioned, right? 
And another one seems like a natural, I went to go get it stamped. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to tell. And there's multiple. There's Those aren't just the two. Like there's multiple people cooperating this story. But there's two different ways it happens. So that's why it's like a little froggy. Hmm. Froggy. Interesting. So the man is trying to convince the immigration officers that Tara does indeed exist. They, he said that Tarad was located between France and Spain and had been in existence for like a thousand years. Uh-uh. But when he pulled up the map and he pointed to the area occupied by the Principality of Andorra, I don't know. And he was like, I don't know why it's called that on the map because it's called Torrid in real life. That's so crazy. Both the Japanese officers and him on the traveler were just like arguing on what that country was <laughs> what's funny is like had uh-huh. i been one of those like agents i'd have just been like yeah country cool uh, uh. <laughs> so they are like this guy's a criminal <laughs> just off the bat this guy's gotta be some <laughs> like, this criminal. isn't real uh-uh. right um so when they while they like conducted their in, um investigation they put him in a in a hotel overnight. So I guess they weren't really detaining him, but they were like, don't go anywhere because you're sus. Yeah. Um. So they did place two guards outside of his room. But the next morning, the officers went into his room and he was nowhere to be seen. And there was no sign of how he was able to get out of the room, which we've all fallen asleep on duty before. So just saying. Anyway. <laughs> but not only did he escape all of his personal documents were gone as well so that's why they were like "Mm." there has been a book uh written by brian alspa and jeremy bates talking about the story of this man and trying to explain like the whole event and stuff most people are like alternate realities or parallel or parallel universes or time travelers yeah like you'd have to be a super spy to just yeah not be there but if you're a super spy wouldn't you be you know knowing your better knowing your geography especially where you're trying to claim you're from i think time traveling so a lot of people say that he was from a parallel dimension and he somehow entered the dimension when he came to the airport man that'd be a fucking trip right (laughs) oopsie poopsie yeah you go into the airport and just like uh oh by the way the united states doesn't exist wait what (laughs) (laughs) excuse me excuse me (laughs) yeah and if he was a time traveler i feel like that he would be like no i'm from tarot and then when they showed him the map he'd be like oh just kidding yeah. And from that place. He'd be Not like, bad. God damn it. I should have probably <laughs> studied geography. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't right. do his whole research. <laughs> they also say that he was a figment of somebody's imagination and became an urban legend that has spread around, which is very possible. With that all being said, they have come out with an identification possible where his name was John Zergus. And he is supposed to be the real man detained, but he had documentation fabrication. And he, they did dub him in in Japan as the mystery man. That's what the urban legend there is. So he has been recorded. He was 36 in 1959 and he had a Korean wife and, but he was um, arrested. I don't know. There's like a lot of, 
things that tied to this guy about fraudulent activities and forgery and all that kind of stuff. He was born in the U.S. and he moved to the U.K. Uh, He attended high school there in World War II. He was a pilot for the Royal Air Force. Um, So his background kind of lines up with everything that they're talking about with him being bilingual and all that other stuff. It's it's interesting. A little wild. Yeah, that's crazy. He's like the real 007. Yeah, maybe he is the real 007, except for got arrested a lot for document fraud. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Minus that stealthy. So maybe uh, it wasn't a very good 007. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm still sticking with parallel dimension or a time traveler. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. Those are more fun. The next one is the Isdal woman, which I don't know if I said that right either. I-S-D-A-L. Isdal. It's short for a Norwegian word. Isdal Kisiskevivin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Isdal. So I'm going to go with Isdal. Like, that's that's pretty much what I'm going to do. <laughs> so that's a placeholder name that they gave to an unidentified woman who was found dead in the Ice Valley in Norway. And this happened in the 70s. At the time, the police were like, it's suicide. But half a century later... They say that it's like one of the most profound Cold War mysteries in Norwegian history. Oh. So this man was hiking with his, with his two young daughters in the foothills, right? And they are hiking in this area called the Ice Valley. But it also had a nickname called the Death Valley. Because the area, that's like the Japanese forest where people go to kill themselves. There, there's a lot of people who went to this area to commit suicide. But also, a lot of people died hiking there as well. So that's why it had the nickname of the Death Valley. Gotcha. The daughters were out there hiking and they smelt something burning. And one of the daughters located a body of a woman. Yeah. Yikes. (laughs) They did a full-scale investigation. They examined the spy- the site and they noted that woman's, she was in like a supine position, which is like laying, she was laying on her back. She had her, her hands were clenched up by her torso and the front of her body, her clothes had been like super burned and she was unrecognizable. There was a fire by her body, right? And an empty bottle of liquor, liquor two plastic water bottles, a plastic passport container, rubber boots, a wooden or a woolen jumper, scarf, nylon stockings, umbrella purse, matchbox, watch, two earrings, and a ring. So that is where they found what they found around her. Around her body were like burnt paper, un- and beneath her body was a fur hat that had traces of gasoline on it by all identifying marks and labels on all these items. They had been removed, cut off, rubbed off. The only thing that remained where her fingertips were unscathed. Um, and they used that to try to match fingerprints on like the glasses found in the suitcase and all that kind of stuff. A couple of days later, after discovering the site, uh, they did find belongings to a woman at the Burgeon Railway Station that had partial fingerprints that matched the body. But all identifying information had been removed. So an autopsy was done, and they said that the woman died of a combined incapacitation. I don't know why my brain did not want to put those words, (laughs) those letters together. Incapacitation by luminol and poisoning by carbon monoxide. And soot was found in her lungs, indicating that she was burned alive. 
And then they did find bruising in her neck. Uh, they said that it could have been by a fall from a fall or from a blow. And then analysis of her blood and stomach showed that she had consumed between 50 to 70 Phenomal brand sleeping pills. Wow. Yeah. It's just like a couple. Yeah, just a couple. Yeah. And found next to her body were further, were 12 more sleeping pills. What? Yeah. And then at autopsy, her teeth, jaw, and jaw were removed due to her unique gold filling dental work and tissue samples of her organs were taken. So they, that seems excessive. They just take off her jaw and teeth. Right. That's weird. It's wild. Yeah. So then police launched an appeal, like, on the news saying, like, hey, we found this person. Come forward if you have any information. And the last time that she was seen alive was when she checked out of room 407 at the Hotel Hoderium Hotel from her hotel. The hotel (laughs) staff (laughs) told police that that she was good looking. So she had dark brown hair and small and she had brown eyes and she noticed that she kept mainly in her room. Um, They did say that she seemed a little on edge and when she checked out uh, she paid her bill in cash and asked them to request a taxi for her. They were able to decode some of the notepad entries that they found around her body. It was just pretty much times and places she was traveling around Norway and Europe. And um, but they did find that she they think that with the things that they decoded, that she was going around under fake alias aliases and un, fake passports, at least eight of them. Wow. They said. Uh-uh. Yeah. At the consistency of information that they were finding out about her was not real like and everything changed birthday her age her origin pretty much all that stuff so she's the real 007 yeah (laughs) apparently people were also witnesses uh said that she spoke flemish which is dutch belgian dutch southern dutch kind of language broken english and she smelled strongly of garlic but they also said that she wore wigs Hmm. her sketches are interesting I feel like very um, – she's a very distinct face, in my opinion. Just so you know, when I die, I want somebody to talk about me like that. She smelled <laughs> garlic. <laughs> very garlic smells. <laughs> so pretty much people were like, oh, she committed suicide, which who chooses to burn themselves to commit suicide? Yeah, that's Other not- than that guy that you talked about last time. I was going to say – yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, so I guess – it's not out of the realm of possibility. However, I really don't. I mean, that just doesn't seem plausible to me, especially like with how they found her. Well, I don't know, because her fingertips weren't burned. Uh, I don't know. True. But also, yeah, who who does that other than that guy that was clearly mentally ill? <laughs> yeah, clearly. I think you have to be mentally ill. Well, that's not true. That monk lit himself on fire in protest, too. Well, but that's like a whole different thing. But he had to have the gumption. Well, no, somebody threw something at him, right? He didn't light himself on fire, right? Yeah, but he, I mean, he knew he was getting lit on fire. I don't know. I don't know. That's the last way I want to burn. I, I don't want to burn a light. No. No, thank no, you. It yeah, boring. no, I'll pass on that one for sure. Hard pass. So the biggest, uh, can, the biggest theory that they have is that she was a spy, right? It was during the Cold War. So they were like, She's a spy, especially with all the wigs and the different passports and all the information that was like, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah it's 
I mean, it seems pretty obvious somebody tried to silence her. Yeah. So they were thinking international espionage was like her forte, maybe. Yeah, I would say either some sort of like mob type thing or government type thing. (laughs) I guess there was a book written as well, like later on 2018, I think, that they were saying that she was a sex worker. But that... I don't feel like that's accurate with the amount of awfulness. International sex worker? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which maybe. I don't know. Maybe she's really good at her job. (laughs) Maybe she's real good at her job. (laughs) Yeah. So pretty much we don't know anything about her, how she died, who she was, but she's most likely an international spy. I feel like that's accurate. Given the level of violence. Yeah. All right. So Agent 355. That's the next one. And this is about another plausible spa. 355 died after 1780 and is the code name of a female a spy during the American Revolution, part of the, the Coupler Ring, which was a network of spies during the American Re- Revolutionary War. She was one of the first spies of the United States, but her real identity is unknown. The number 355 could be deciphered from the system uh, the Culpra ring used to mean lady. Is that, am I saying that word right? Culpler? C-U-L-P-E-R? I mean, sure. <laughs> the only direct reference to 355 in any of the Culpra... Copler, see now I can't fucking say it any of the um, rings narratives I guess letters or whatever appears in a letter from Abraham Woodhill to George Washington Woodhill describes her as one who hath been ever serviceable to the correspondence the true identity of 355 remains unknown but some facts about her are very clear she worked with the American Patriots during the Revolutionary War as a spy and was likely recruited by Woodhill in into the spy ring. The way that the code uh, is constructed indicates that she may have had like some degree of social prominence, so she was most likely kind of important, but not important enough to be missed. She was likely living in New York City when they contracted her. And at some point, she had contact with Major John Andre and Benedict Arnold. And one person who had been named as the agent was Anna Strong, which is Woodhill's neighbor. Strong allegedly helped the ring by signaling to its members the location of Caleb Brewster, who was a member of the ring during the, you know, another member um, who was reporting directly to George Washington. Another theory is that 355 may have been Robert Townsend's common-law wife. Because there are a lot of stories about Townsend saying that he was in love with 355. And um, there was another woman that, there was an American patriot during the American Revolutionary War that helped over 200 prisoners um, escape British ships. Her name was Elizabeth Bergen. So they also said 355 could be her as well. So they really genuinely have no idea. They're just like, what's another female that we can... uh." (laughs) Name all the females who have been very helpful. (laughs) Yes, I agree, but it's pretty narrowed down. Because during the American Revolutionary War, and they're having this spy ring, you know, these women being pervy to these kind of information is probably pretty low. 
Uh, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. So they are just saying all the women that they know <laughs> that are part of the ring, maybe. So, but 355 played a major role in exposing Arnold as a defector and Andre, who was hanged in Tappan, New York. She did end up getting pregnant and she was arrested in 1780. She was imprisoned in the HMS Jersey prison ship, and they said that they that she made given birth to a boy named Robert Townsend Jr., and then she died later on the ship. However, there's a lot of people disagreeing with that um, narrative, saying that females are not kept aboard prison ships and that there is no record of the birth. So it would be like something that people were just saying. But if that was the case and she did give birth to Robert Townsend Jr., then it's probably Anna Strong, which was, you know, because Townsend was her husband. I would say, like, yes, I get them not keeping women on prison ships, but she's also a spy, a very known, like, a well-known spy. So maybe they make an exception. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's literally pretty much the only conversation that they have about Agent 355. Like, so... Very well documented that she was a person, a person of interest. Just the identity of her is who exactly is she? That's Agent 355, which I think is kind of badass. Yeah. Even though we still have no idea. <laughs> what? There's no idea. <laughs> so she's a great agent. For show. <laughs> so that's all my little mysteries. I like it. Just little mysterious people. Yeah, just fucking weirdos running around. I'm just kidding. Running around. <laughs> We're just out here baking theories, half half baked theories. <laughs> theories all over the place. I love theories. <laughs> if you would like to follow us, always follow us on our socials at oddly macabre, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Boop-boop. Thank you for coming to my mini, <laughs> my mysterious mini. Super super mysterious. Thanks. Okay, I'm done. Thanks for coming to our TikTok. Love the mystery. Keep okay, it bye. Bye. bye.